0: This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Lister discretion discussion is advised. Welcome back to Legend of the Bones. Following in the footsteps of giants, Legend of the Bones is a chimera, a mix of old-school tabletop RPG and dark fantasy storytelling. As its name might suggest, in Legend of the Bones, the dice rule. There'll be no re-rolls, no fudging the dice, no currency. The role of the bones will determine the character's destiny, and no one will be spared their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone. Last time, or Legend of the Bones. Having descended into the underkeep of Kero Doom, the companions located the gold disc which they sought on behalf of Wiglaf, the abbot of Inis But before they could escape with the treasure, Kier, Bjorn, and Arn were magically lured by Nedra, the Serpent Queen, into her lair. There, in a many pillared hall, the three men observed a strange circular room within a room. But before they could investigate further, Nedra appeared before them, along with five serpentine handmaidens. At that moment, Beric, Lena, and Knut arrived behind them. Shouting a warning to pull down their blindfolds, but it was too late. Nedra attempted to petrify Arn and then Bjorn with her malevolent gaze. Arn was able to resist, but Bjorn succumbed and was turned to stone before the Serpentines launched their attack. A bitter and bloody fight ensued, with most of the party blindfolded and fighting at a disadvantage. The situation looked grave. Nedra racked Beric's body with pain through her sorcery before throwing lightning at Lena almost killing the cleric and leaving her unconscious. Then, when all hope seemed lost, Keir managed to maneuver himself behind Nedra and critically wounded the Serpent Queen, stabbing her through the back. But Nedra still lived, and turning to face her attacker, the Serpent Queen petrified the rogue before Beric was finally able to slay the foul creature. And so, with a final act of heroism, Keir saved his friends from certain death, but at the cost of his own life. Chapter Thirty One, Part One, Day Thirty Three, Night. Party Status: Beric, sixteen out of twenty-eight hit points. Lena, zero out of twenty hit points. Valen, thirteen out of fifteen hit points. Talion, fourteen out of sixteen hit points. Knut, three out of twenty hit points. Arn, eight out of twelve hit points. Spells Available. Valen has memorised Soothe. Talion has memorised Poetic Prose. Valen paced back and forth across the Mead Hall of Kerudu, anxious nausea biting in the pit of his stomach. Not long after his friends had descended into the lower level of the fortress, the familiar sounds of battle filtered up from the pit in the centre of the hall. He and Talion had listened over the hollow where a soft light source near the base of the shaft gently illuminated a writhing mass of vipers. But for several minutes now, there had been nothing but silence. The wait was agonising. Then there was the sound of footsteps on the stairway behind the profane idol. Talion, who had been sitting with Jenna, hurriedly got to his feet and joining Valen, knocked an arrow to his bow. The two men stared on with bated breath, hoping for the best but fearing the worst. Then Beric appeared from behind the idol, followed immediately by a limping canute who was supported by Arn. Their armour was torn and they were bleeding from many wounds, but Valen's eyes were on Beric, for in his arms the big man carried the limp form of Lena. No, Valen cried, rushing forward. She lives, Beric reassured him, but her wounds are grievous. He added, setting the cleric gently down on the flagstones, before retrieving his rolled up cloak and placing it beneath her head. Raylan knelt beside her, and seeing Lena up close, his heart sank. The visible skin of her face, arms and hands was covered in burns and blisters that formed a strange fractal pattern like the fronds of a newly shooting fern. He stroked Lena's hair, then looked up at Beric as if seeking an answer, but in truth he already knew. Nadra, the big man said in answer. She threw lightning at her. She was a sorceress? The major asked, despite already knowing. Beric simply nodded in response. Valin gazed beyond the big man, to where Talian was helping Arn to support Knut, who was clearly badly injured and in considerable pain. Where is Kia? And Bjorn? He asked, looking back at the warrior. Tears ran down Beric's blood splattered face. Dead. They're both dead. He was suddenly overcome with grief, his huge shoulders shaking as he fought to suppress the sobs. Valen stood and put his arms around Beric and held the warrior. After a minute, he released his embrace and held the big man by the shoulders. Their deaths will not be in vain, I promise you," he said softly. Beric cuffed away the tears and nodded. The mage returned his attention to Lena, gathering her up and carrying her into the suite of chambers that had been used by the Acolyte's leader. Valen set the cleric down upon the cot and unburdened her from her armour. It was clear that the burns covered her entire body, flaring across her skin a strange mystical tattoo. He poured some water into a basin on a nearby table, and set about binding wet bandages around her body. When he was done, he simply sat with her, holding her hand in his own. He remembered her kiss, and with every ounce of his being, he willed her to live. To his surprise, he began to feel an energy between them. Flowing from his hand into hers. Lena's breathing became less shallow, and her eyes fluttered slowly open. Lena! A weak smile played across her lips. This is becoming a habit, she said hoarsely, then grimaced, groaning in pain. Hush now. You must rest. The mage placed his hand upon Lena's forehead. Golf with him. I care to take. Lena's eyes closed once more as Valen soothed her passage to sleep. So... The battle with Nedra ended up confirming my fears. When I dreamt up the idea of the fortress of Kerudu, its mistress and its denizens, I had a nagging feeling that I might lose a main character. And so it was that the Dice decided that Kier's fate was at hand. After losing him, I had to step away for a couple of days. It's a strange thing, because on one hand I know that all my characters are just a set of numbers on a page, but at the same time, over these past thirty or so episodes, I have really enjoyed exploring Keir's personality. I grew really attached to him through that, and as such it's been hard to let him go. Once I came back, I thought it was only right that I should send him off with a final peek into his backstory. I hope you can forgive that indulgence. I should not forget that Bjorn has also fallen, and whilst I have not really given any time to exploring his character, both Canute and Arne will be grieving their two fallen comrades. But now it's time to move on, because our companions still have many trials ahead of them. I have previously stated that NPCs level up in exactly the same way as player characters, although I confess that I am finding the distinction between the two becoming increasingly blurred. The tracking for an NPC level up begins from the episode at which the character is introduced, and that means that both Canute and Talion have reached level 4. I don't yet know how long these two men will stay with the party, but given their current involvement, let's see what benefits they gain. Starting with Canute, rolling new hit points on a D8. A 2? Ah. Well, that gets bumped up to a min out of 4. Canute's new hit point total is 24. I wonder if the Skane will have any more luck with ability score increases. A roll of 6 on a d6 means that that attribute will increase by 1. Here we go Strength. 2. Intelligence. 3. Wisdom. 5. Dexterity. 4. Constitution. A 6. Knut's constitution increases to 14. Well, he has survived being knocked about recently. And finally, charisma. A 5. In addition, as a 4th level fighter, Knut now benefits from an additional plus 2 to hit, meaning that with his strength bonus, he gets an impressive plus 4 to hit and plus 2 to damage. That hit bonus makes up for a pretty average level up for Knut. Now it's Talian's turn. Rolling a D6 for the bars hit point increase. A 5. That's very nice. Tarlyan's new hit point total is an impressive 21. Will there be any ability score increases? Strength. 5. Intelligence. A 6. Tarlyan's intelligence increases to 14. This is important given that the Bard is a spellcaster. Wisdom. Another 6. Tarlyan's wisdom increases to 11. Perhaps the party's sense of duty and comradeship has rubbed off on him. Talia's dexterity is 18, so cannot increase further. Constitution. Four. And finally, Charisma. A two. That was a very impressive level up for the Bard. And in addition, Talia gets access to another first level Bard spell. There are two more spells available at this level, so I am going to make a simple high-low roll on a D6 to determine which it is. A four. So Talia's new spell is Pitch. When cast, The Bard creates a pitch so high that any creature that can hear within hearing range is unable to act due to the extreme discomfort the sound causes. Any affected creature with acute hearing also suffers one point of damage. The spell has a range of 20 feet, and lasts for one round. The Bard themselves are not affected. In addition, any non-magical brittle objects or materials as ruled by the referee are shattered as a result of the sound. Affected materials include but are not limited to glass, pottery, eggshells, ice, and crystals. You can find a full description of the spell at LegendOfTheBones.blogspot.com. With it being night, Lena and Knut are badly injured, so the party have little choice but to spend the night in Kerudu. As we have just heard, Valen received prescience of his new spell, Revive, which he gained from his last level up back in Episode 27, but until now has not been able to commit it to memory. The mages also cast Sooth on Lena. I made his casting roll off Mike, which was a success. Sending the cleric into a deep, restorative sleep, and awaking she will be restored five hit points. In the morning, all injured party members are restored by one hit point. When Lena awakes, she prays for Canute to be healed. The cleric needs a 17 or less for her prayer to be answered. A six. Canute is healed for six hit points. The cleric then prays again for another miracle to heal Canute. With a 13, the Scarni warrior is healed for… 4 hit points. Right, let's get back to the story. Chapter 31 Part 2 Day 34 The Hour Before Dawn Party Status Berwick, 17 out of 28 hit points Berwick's eyes flickered open. It was dark, save a thin sliver of moonlight that bled through the crack in the shutter, and a faint flicker of candlelight in the room beyond. It took him a moment to realise that he was in the chambers which had been used by the leader of the blind acolytes. The companions had decided to bed down here, where the door could be secured, in the hope that it would afford them all the chance to sleep without the disturbance of sitting a watch. His eyes quickly became accustomed to the gloom. Somewhere in the chamber, one of his companions was gently snoring. That will be here, he thought, but then the memory of his friend's death returned to haunt him. It was his fault. It was his plan. His rashness to venture into the Underkeep, underprepared. He should have stopped Keir from entering Nedra's lair, and now his friend was dead. As was Bjorn, not to mention Yora. And who knew if Lena would still yet live? For all he knew, the cleric would perish in her sleep. He was not fit to lead. He had failed them all. The room felt oppressive. He needed space and air. He got out of his bedroll, pulled on his boots, and buckled his sword about his waist. Grabbing his pack, he moved to the door, and quietly as he could, he unlocked it. Beric, Valen's soft voice called him. Beric turned, and could make out the silhouette of the mage standing in the doorway of the room beyond, where Valen had been watching over Lena in vigil. I can't sleep, the big man explained. Neither can I, the Mage replied. How is she? She will live, though I fear she will forever bear the scars. The Mage's voice was thick. I will keep watch. Be careful, Beric. We can ill afford to lose you also. Beric nodded, then left the room, closing the door behind him. The meat hall was bathed in pale moonlight, they filtered through the many holes in the roof above. He turned towards the idol and noticed a soft white glow emanating from the entrance to the northeast tower. For a moment, he thought about raising the alarm and calling the others to arms. But he thought better of it. He had already brought too much death upon them. He drew his sword and cautiously approached, taking care to tread silently. He had seen previously that the tower, or what was left of it, was gated. The stairs to the upper floor had collapsed, leaving an enclosed space, and the companions supposed that this was where the acolytes held their prisoners. The gate remained open, as it had been before, and he paused just out of sight. He was sure that they had cleared the fortress of enemies. Then he remembered there remained an unexplored chamber in the underkeep. He mouthed a curse, and suddenly wished that he had brought his shield. Too late for that, he thought. Taking a deep breath, he quickly stepped around into the chamber. Huddled in the corner, silently crying, was a young woman. At least it looked like a young woman. Her body was translucent white, and the source of the ethereal illumination. She was dressed in nothing but undergarments, and all over her body, she was covered in a multitude of small, weeping puncture wounds. Beric instinctively took a step back from the apparition, and as he did so, the woman looked up. Beric has encountered a ghost. Whilst I am broadly using the old-school essentials monster profile for ghosts, I have made a few changes to suit my preferences. Rather than making a save versus spell to resist the apparition's aura of fear, I am going to make a wisdom check instead, as this feels more appropriate. As such, Beric will need to roll less than his wisdom score of 9, else age 2d6 years and be forced to flee. Here is the roll. A 3. Now I am going to make a reaction roll to see how this encounter will go. A nine, that's a possibly friendly reaction, but it does require a second roll. Alright then. Beric could feel the blood drained from his face, and a cold sweat broke out upon his neck and chest as the fear rose within him. His mind told him to flee, but instinct rooted his feet to the ground. There was something about the woman's face, her ghostly tears, and the expressions she wore told him she was not a threat. If anything, he felt pity. He pushed away the fear and felt the blood returning to his cheeks. Who are you? He asked in futility, not knowing whether the apparition was able to respond. The woman stared at him. He felt as if her eyes were penetrating his very soul. She held him thusly for what seemed like a long time. Before her expression seemed to change, it became more… hopeful. The phantom said nothing, and instead simply pointed to the south wall of the room. There's something there? The woman slowly nodded. Beric moved to where the ghostly woman indicated, and could immediately see that a small stone was protruding slightly from the wall. He pulled at it, which came easily free in his hand, and noticed something scratched on the back. A name. Cirque. In the cavity beyond there was something wrapped in a piece of cloth. He took it out and removed the cloth to reveal a bronze pin brooch. It was not an object of high worth, though clearly well made, and decorated with interlacing knotwork. Beric looked back at the woman. Was this yours? The apparition slowly nodded again. Are you suck? This time she shook her head. A friend then, or a relative maybe. This elicited another nod. Beric considered this for a moment. He held out the brooch. You wish this taken to them? Again a nod. Beric turned the brooch over in his hand and found himself saying, It will be done. You have my word though he had no idea where he might find this cirque. The woman looked thankful and the light of her body began to recede. It became concentrated in her chest until all that was left was a glowing ball of light, hovering a few feet off the ground. It began to move towards Beric. The warrior stepped back out of the room as it moved past him towards the stairs leading down into the underkeep. Perhaps he should have been wary and less trusting but Beric's instinct told him that he had nothing to fear from this spirit. He followed after, making his way down the stairs, now illuminated by the pale white light. It was strange to see this place through his own eyes, but as he descended, his thoughts turned to the battle just a few hours earlier. The ghostly light continued on, through the vestry and into the shrine where the gold disc still hung on the wall above the grim altar. Beric half expected the light to lead him back into Nader's lair and a brief thought entered his mind that it might be a trap. But instead, the apparition proceeded straight ahead, towards the unexplored eastern chamber. The warrior hesitated for a moment, then gripping his sword tightly, he walked on, finding himself in a small crypt. A dozen or so shrouded remains lay in alcoves cut into the wall. Almost all of the burial shrouds were torn and rotted, revealing yellowed bones beneath the memory of Vortigern's tomb flooded back into Beric's mind, not least because it had been Keir who had saved them that day also. He breathed a sigh of relief, for here the dead were content to remain so. In the centre of the room was a stone sarcophagus, above which the ball of light now hovered. Beric approached, and saw the surface of the lid inscribed with words in an unfamiliar language. He looked at the light, and in return it pulsed. Very well he said, and sheathing his sword, he pushed the lid aside. The sarcophagus was occupied by a skeleton, that of a man by the size of it. Whatever clothes the man had worn had long since rotted, leaving behind just the smallest fragments. If it was not obvious from the sarcophagus, the gold talk about its neck and the many rings upon its arms was evidence that these were the remains of a man of high status. But also, in its hands, it gripped a magnificent sword which lay upon its chest. The sword was unravaged by rust or time, and along its gleaming blade were strange mystic runes. Beric looked up into the light, and an ethereal voice reverberated around the room. Keep thy word, Beric Inersons. There was a flicker, and the room went black. The sword that has come into Beric's possession belonged to Nedr's husband, who fought against the tyrant Vortigern. The blade's name, Callus Kleda, meaning hard sword, is written in runes along it. This is an enchanted weapon, whose blade can neither be dulled nor broken. The sharpness of the blade confers plus one to damage, and is also effective against creatures which are immune to normal weapons. As a magic item, Valen is able to identify it as such, and read the runes which are written in Merenish, but that is all. Once the party have risen and broken their fast, they recover the gold disc and find the following in Nedr's Lair. Six hundred gold pieces, which I am going to split six ways, meaning that Tallian Canute and Arn receive 100 gold each, with the party retaining the rest. One gold torque worth 80 gold, two gold rings worth 30 gold each, four gold necklaces worth 50 gold each, three gold arm rings and six silver arm rings. Talian is given the torque. And the rest of the jewellery is given to the Skarnay warriors, to even the deal as Beric has callous Kleda, except for one gold and two silver arm rings which they insist Beric takes. The party also find Nedr's spellbook, containing the spells Lure, Push, Rack, Serpent Staff, Clairvoyance and Mindsight. This is taken by Valen, though as described previously, he cannot learn any spells from the sorcery discipline the mage also claims the Serpent Queen's bronze staff. An impressive haul then for the party, though I'm sure they would give it all up to have their fallen friends still with them. Okay, whilst I'm here behind the screen, I want to determine what, if any, connection Nedra has to the wider emerging narrative. It's time to consult the Oracle. As she was alive at the time of King Vortigan, it stands to reason that she's likely to have knowledge of the five original Keepers of the Jewels. Is this true, A six. That's a yes and. So does this mean that the Brethren may have heard of her, and sent emissaries to garner any knowledge she may have had? A four. That's a yes but. Hmm. Okay. That gives me an idea. One more question, but I'm going to keep the answer to myself for now. Okay. So the only thing left is to find out what happens on the way back to the Überdacher. Day 34. Weather. 11. Warm and fine. Stumble upon? A 3. Nothing. Wandering encounters? A 6. Nothing. Well, that is a relief. Chapter 31. Part 3. Day 34. Morning Party Status Beric 17 out of 28 hit points Lena six out of twenty hit points Valen 14 out of 15 hit points Talian fifteen out of twenty one hit points Knut 14 out of 24 hit points Arn 9 out of 12 hit points Spells available Valen has memorized push shield, soothe, and revive. Tallian has memorised poetic prose, pitch, and resolve. Lena can pray for one second level miracle. She did not recognise the person staring back at her. It was her face, that she knew, but spreading up from her neck and onto her cheeks and temples were pink, fern-like scars. Lena had never considered herself pretty, let alone beautiful. But now all she saw was ugliness staring back at her. And whilst she had not thought herself vain, part of her felt crushed. Her sister Lilia had ever been the pretty one. She had always had the young men of Godsport courting her, and she had revelled in it. Not that Lena had cared. After all, she had her faith. She recognized now that she was not immune to vanity. Merin had awoken that in her with his attention. And now, with how she felt about Valen, a man whom despite his personal demons and the teachings of the church, she had fallen in love with. She deeply desired that he found her beautiful. Lena suddenly felt ashamed. Here she was, despairing about her appearance, when Kier was dead. Had she learned nothing? She had visited his statue earlier, and given the blessing of Nia for the young rogue's soul. It struck her at that moment, the nine were once again testing her faith. They had spared her from death, but they had left her ugly, so no man could ever love her. Was this the price of her vanity? Valen would surely cast her aside as easily as Merin had. She heard footsteps approaching and quickly placed the silver hand-mirror in her pack before sitting back on the cot, just as Valen put his head around the door. He smiled weakly. How art thou? I live, she replied a little coolly. May I? The major asked, gesturing towards the cot. By all means. She did not know why she was being so formal, though Valen did not seem to notice, else he chose to ignore it. He sat down beside her, his torso turned towards her. Lena kept looking ahead, fearing to meet his gaze. ''Lena, I do not'' she interrupted him sharply, and for a moment he was taken aback. ''What is it, what ills you?'' he asked softly. Lena's eyes became wet. She blinked and a single tear rolled down her cheek. She turned and looked at him directly showing the full extent of the scars upon her face. No man could ever love this. Her voice was full of resentment. Valen held her gaze. Then he reached out and took her hand in his own. She began to pull away. No, Lena. He said firmly, slightly shaking his head. Lena relaxed her hand. She could feel her bottom lip trembling. A heart truly won is not so easily lost. After recovering the spoils of battle, the companions pulled down the idol of the Serpent Queen, shattering the effigy into many pieces, and built a large pyre in the centre of the Mead Hall. They placed upon it the bodies of their enemies along with anything that would burn, before dousing it in oil. The companions watched from the courtyard, as the flames of the pyre burned fiercely, and it was not long before the whole fortress was ablaze, billowing plumes of black smoke into the sky. Then, placing Yorra's body on a makeshift stretcher, they left that cruel place to burn, and made their way back across the Felmore and whilst they had achieved what they had come to do, their victory was all too hollow. Thank you for listening to Legend of the Bones. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you like what you've heard, then please do consider giving it a positive review in your podcatcher of choice. It really does help the show reach new listeners. You can also help by liking or reposting new episode announcements, or by recommending the show online or to a friend. You really can't beat the power of word of mouth. Alternatively, if you would like to show your appreciation by buying me a metaphorical cup of tea, then I now have a kofi page at ko-fi.com forward slash legend of the bones any donations will go towards the show's running costs. I'd also love to know what you think of the show, and I do respond to every message I receive. So with that in mind, you can contact me on x at legendbones, mastodon at legendbones at ttrpg-hangout.social, Instagram at legendofthebones, email at legendofthebones at gmail.com, or go to Legend legendofthebones.blogspot.com for show notes, house rules, character profiles, art, maps, and more. Join me next time to find out what awaits our adventurers as the Bones decide their fate. None shall escape the destiny of Bone. Every hero strikes out on their adventure for a different reason. To prove myself worthy of my mother's praise. To write my own story and discover who I really am. To prove to my family that I am more than they believe me to be. To so avoid the God that has chosen me. But when the fragile balance of the world is in jeopardy and sinister forces move in the darkness, heroes will be tested, pushed to their limits and beyond. And it will be left to them to determine if they are up to the task. There is a darkness rising. Will they be able to overcome the challenges and meet this evil head on? For my God. For my story. For my freedom. For the world. To restore the balance. Modified Role, Season 2, The Chronicles of Aaron a D&D 5e actual play podcast. New season, new characters, new story. Find us on all the usual podcasting apps or at modifiedroll.com.